Welcome to Nerds at Church, a podcast about nerdery and the Bible. I'm Pastor Emily, and I use pronouns like they, them, theirs. And I'm Pastor Kay, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Pastor Lydia, and my pronouns are she, her. In this episode, we'll discuss Ash Wednesday, also known as the beginning of Lent, which this year falls on February 22nd. Check out the episode description for links to the Bible passages and other references we make in this episode. So for our Ash Wednesday episode, we are deep diving into Ash Wednesday and Lent, especially from a liturgical perspective. And so we are very excited to have with us Pastor Lydia Posselt, who is the Associate Pastor for Evangelism and Mission at Emanuel Lutheran Church in Vienna, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. She keeps busy hanging out with her family and also reading, watching PBS and nerdy shows, writing, and also used to co-host the creative worship podcast Lit Liturgy. Welcome! Yay! Yes, we are delighted to have you with us. (laughs) So since not all Christians observe Ash Wednesday, could you give us the rundown on what it's all about? Ooh, like the definitive answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please Uh, sum up all of Christian history and Lent in one answer, and we'll go from there. (laughs) Well, Ash Wednesday is the liturgical observation of the beginning of the season of Lent, you know, that 40-day period of sadness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like the penitential stuff, right? Yes. So because it's 40 days before Easter, minus Sundays? Not including the Sundays. 40 days and Sundays. So technically like 40 days. Not counting the Sundays. It's the period of time before we get to Holy Week. It begins our observance of the season of Lent. It's the day where, you know, you get the little ash cross thing. And (laughs) we remember that we are dust. And to dust we shall return and has one of the best bulletin bloopers. <laughs> butt dust. Or butt yes. dust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes the rounds every year. Yeah. yeah. So we remember our mortality and start Lent. That's kind of like the short answer. Sure. Yeah. So Lydia, what makes an Ash Wednesday service in particular so special or unique? Well, there's there's a couple of things that we do in our Ash Wednesday services that we don't normally do in our regular services. The biggest one would be the Ash Cross thing. I think most Protestant traditions that do celebrate Ash Wednesday, at some point you say like the big long litany of like, man, I stink and this this is where I've messed up. I'm sorry, God, I suck. (laughs) The most Lutheran confession of the year. Yeah. And when I say Lutheran, I mean like Martin Luther would totally love that. Yeah. Let's be really specific yeah, exactly. about confessing everything because he loved yeah. to confess. I think everything. in our Lutheran book of worship thing, there's like the really long, I don't remember what it's called now. Confession. Uh, it's the penitential something, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like the extra big confession. And yes. then usually at the end of that is the part where you say, come forward and we're going to put an ash cross on your head. The imposition of ashes. That's what that is. Yes. The imposition of ashes. Yeah. People come forward, usually kind of like if you do drive-by communion something similar to that (laughs) yes you get the ash cross on your head and then you go and sit down and then you get some forgiveness which is awesome Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's like that's kind of the biggest difference that really makes ash wednesday stick out the ashes besides the general theme of our mortality and talking about death and our own death which we don't normally do We don't do it in church. We don't do it in our society. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good way to remember, like, "Mm, we don't live forever, folks. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had friends in college, particularly queer friends, who Lent was their favorite season because they didn't have to pretend to be happy. Yeah. And they Mm. could actually be more real in Lent. Mm. And I think, I don't know how true that is these days, but I like that place of Ash Wednesday in particular where it is like, no, we actually mess up. And I think in progressive Christianity, a lot of the times we like don't want to talk about sin. And so then having the space and intentionally creating the space to say, we still sin, right? We still participate in systems of oppression, in racism and white supremacy and Christian nationalism. We don't call it out the way that we should and work against it the way that we should is like really important. I don't know that everybody thinks about all of those things when they're confessing during (laughs) imposition of actions, but well, sometimes yeah. the confession like gets really specific at times. I'm trying to like the reluctance of the sharing of the gifts of God, carelessness with the fruits of creation, mm-hmm. idleness and witnessing to Jesus Christ, squandering of the gifts of love and grace. So there's like a few, a little bit of that in there in the traditional yeah. language. But the tip, like finesse it up, like edit it, add some stuff, put some real stuff in there. You can change the liturgy. And ask yourself, Mm -hmm. exactly how many changes would I have to put in in order for my congregation to actually notice and also be willing to say something out loud about it? (laughs) Because in the Midwest, it would be a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There are particular things, though, that I bet the second you put them in, they'd be like, what? Yes, no, they'd be horrified and would absolutely. But as long as you're, again, I am a big fan of the as long as you keep referencing scripture and as long as you don't use the Mm -hmm. buzzwords, you can say a lot in church Mm -hmm. and people can't actually say anything against it. Well, they can, but then you can be like, but look, Jesus Jesus said it. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. But Jesus said it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I am always reminded, and this year is three years since... 2020, but also three years since 2017 and the inauguration. Six years since and 2017. Six, yeah. And the Beatitudes were the uh-huh. scripture reading the weekend of the inauguration and the number of pastors or bishops who bishops. received phone yeah. calls complaining yep. that pastors had been political. And it's like, it was literally a sign. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. That happened to one of my former bishops. <laughs> and she yeah. was like, it's an electionary? Like, it's Jesus' words. Also, depending on the bulletin that your church uses, it may have been printed in last week's bulletin what readings you would have this week. So you have proof. Yeah, and there's also Google. And, like, you can Google Revised Common Lectionary. (laughs) Although, to be fair, figuring it out if you have no idea how the heck it works is a trick. But, yes. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And... I was just having this conversation with somebody and I was like, I don't remember when I became aware of the revised common lectionary, but it wasn't like in my home congregation. It was definitely probably mm. maybe college, but probably seminary. It was college. Like Cause that. I worked on worship. I went to Luther college. So I was part of worship stuff. So that's where I think I discovered it, but we had the insert things from the ELCA from Oxford fortress. So like, Oh, yes. The, the they were printed somewhere. I just didn't know what it was. I just knew that those were the readings for the day. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. The behind the curtain, like, gets revealed. Yes. <laughs> There's a fan fiction for the TV show Stargate SG-1, which mm-hmm. was, I can tell you it was written by a Lutheran pastor, but I'm not telling you her name because she used a pseudonym to write it, which has Teal'c 
discover Ash Wednesday and go around asking other characters in the show about it. Teal'c is an alien from another planet and has no mm. cultural basis for Ash Wednesday at all. And at first, mm. he's concerned that Ash Wednesday is all about like shame and feeling bad about yourself. And as he goes around and talks to people who actually practice Ash Wednesday, he discovers that it's really about mortality and humility. And he can totally mm -hmm. be on board with that. Although him getting a Ash Cross on his forehead is a little more complicated because he also has this like gold symbol on his forehead that makes it very clear that he's an alien so that i don't think he actually goes to a service if i remember right but it is an interesting exploration of ash wednesday from a complete outsider perspective and i will find a link to that and we can share it with the episode yeah that's fascinating that also like brings into glitter ashes right that that oh. dynamic of like the gold on the forehead and the ashes and yes. glitter ashes yeah i think this was definitely written before glitter ashes but yeah do I have an opinion on glitter ashes? Yeah. We did a deep dive last year, which we'll link to for Transfiguration, on glitter. And we talked some about glitter ashes, but I'm curious if you have. I, I feel like I'm not opposed to cl glitter ashes in principle. I'm opposed to glitter on my body in, in general. <laughs> that is completely reasonable. <laughs> like, I'd be like, no thanks, but if that's your jam, sure. I just yeah. like glitter everywhere. I'm like, bleh. Just like a, it's everywhere and bleh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. It is like the herpes of the crafting world. Yeah, so. yes. BBS. Exactly. <laughs> there was like a meme that was like, the year is 2555 and they did an excavation on, you know, this old church and they found glitter. It's <laughs> yeah. old BBS. From the BBS Sunday school room. Yeah. Because it gets everywhere, so. It does. I actually preached a sermon at Capitol Hill Lutheran Church in Des Moines, Iowa, that continued to be talked about for years. It was the week that we were supposed to be talking about the reign of God is like a mustard seed. And I shifted it into the reign of God is like glitter, which I think works <laughs> in a very like effective way. Yeah. And we're using that as the That's parable. perfect. <laughs> it was like glitter and rainbows were the two. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going for yeah. it. But you know, glitter and ashes like do have that quality that they do get everywhere because like we've all, ex if you've led Ash Wednesday worship, you always like forget the wet wipes. <laughs> Oh, I'm personally a lemon person. Oh, uh, yeah. Or something. Or whatever the thing is that you clean your hands off afterwards. Yeah. Like, every year I feel like it's like, yeah, paper towels are fine. And every year it's like, no, paper towels are not fine. <laughs> They're never fine. And I feel like I need to put lotion on before the service because I get, like, dry skin around, like, my cuticles and stuff. So I feel like I need to put lotion on so that it doesn't just absorb all of the ash and be oh, like that's, yeah that's a good tip i feel like one of the questions should be like uh, actually your... we have a question about do you have tips oh we can get okay we can get to the tips i was thinking like why are ash hot tips but we could do that we can do that later <laughs> hot tips <laughs> don't burn them in. don't burn last year's palms inside unless you want somebody to call the cops because awkward questions also don't it do it like two like days dogs. before like do it more than one day ahead of time because they won't be cool enough to you i've heard oh, yeah I've never done absolutely this. they won't be I've cool enough to you it's like you need more than like 48 hours yeah or something like also know. make sure that you don't have like people wandering through the building or around the outside of the building while you're doing it because again awkward questions yeah 
I've heard are we just doing this question now? That's fine. But. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any tips or tricks for Ash Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, my favorite trick is the buy yourself a lemon the day before Ash Wednesday while you're out there buying pancake mix for Mardi Gras. And you slice it in half the short way so that, like when you think of slicing an orange, you're, you're trying to have the sections so that you're getting into the sections. You're not like leaving them whole, right? Yeah. And then when the time comes to clean off, I use my thumb to do the Ash Crosses because I have terrible depth perception. And so if I place my fingertips on someone's forehead, I yeah, can use that's how I do it too. Yeah, the thumb to make the cross. And that way I don't poke anyone directly in the eye, which is what I have always been afraid of because again, terrible depth perception. And so I use my thumb to do the ashes. And then afterwards you just stick your thumb directly into the middle of the lemon and you twist several times and 99.9% .9 of the ashes come off. Now, the other trick to that mm -hmm. is that if you have any broken skin on your thumb, Make sure you remember to put new skin over it first, or else you will swear into your microphone. And if it's hot, you're going to have a problem. And then you'll have to confess. <laughs> yes. And my other suggestion for that is you probably want to keep the lemon in the refrigerator prior to the service, depending on how long before the service you got it to keep it fresh. But make sure you take it out of the fridge at least two or three hours before the service, because shoving your thumb into a cold lemon... <laughs> Even if worse. you don't have any broken skin, is still a sensory experience that you are not expecting. <laughs> so. <laughs> On a very solemn day of Ash Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly what the face I made was, but my husband commented on it later. So <laughs> mm. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. <laughs> also, don't mix ashes with water. Yes. Yes. That's the that's big, the big one. one. Everyone's like, remember, don't do it with water. And everyone has like their own like recipe. Like some people swear no oil. But I'm like, yeah. I can't do that. It depends on whether you're using the store-bought stuff or not. If you're using the store-bought ashes, they're usually finely ground enough that they will stick without oil. But if you are using your own ashes that you burned of palms yourself, they might not be finely ground enough. to start. Especially because mm. people have oily foreheads. Yes. True. Oily foreheads. And also when you're using the really finely ground stuff, the oil from your own hand, especially if you've recently applied lotion, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. will actually help hold it all together too. Maybe that yeah. was my mistake because I didn't like lotion my hands up. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, that, your hands are really dry, it's not going to help. Yeah. yeah. So do you use? I use oil. I use a little bit of oil. So what I do is like, I will like make a little paste with my fingers and then like get it like a nice consistency and then I like adjust <laughs> as sure. I'm distributing and I use like my if there's bangs I use my index finger to like sweep them away boy and then, yes. like and then... swish and flick <laughs> Indeed. and then I do the little like lightning bolt I mean the cross there is that image every year of like this is this type of cross this yep. is this type of the cross. harry potter oh, no. cross the rorschach blot yeah. cross the toner yeah. low toner yeah speaking <laughs> of which do not use printer toner that joke goes around every year but people are allergic to it and also it is impossible to wash off i have heard stories of people who actually were desperate enough that they tried using it it is a terrible idea <sighs> i think Oof. if you're really really desperate Get some black eyeshadow. I've, I've heard that that works, yes. But the other trick is that if you need ashes and you don't have any, just call your local Catholic church. They always yeah, have Yeah, or Episcopalians. They usually yeah. also have yeah. some on hand. 
I've gotten to the point where the very first thing upon arriving at a new building that I do is I look for the ashes because I have twice had to rely on my local Catholics and I am so tired of having to do that. <laughs> I'm sure they were very gracious, but they were. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but still. I messaged our treasurer is also our one of our main altar guild people and does the ordering of supplies. So that's, that's why I messaged her the other day and I was like, <laughs> do you know where the ashes are? She was like, yeah, yes, I feel like right here so, in this spot. Wh- whenever this episode comes out, go find your ashes. Like, you haven't yes. already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find them. You may already be too late to order them, but probably. Unless true, but it's not too late to ask the Catholics. Exactly. Yes. And they will appreciate it more if you ask them a few days ahead of time rather than Asha. Like or yes. you could, if you don't have a noon service, you could like show up to their noon service and like get ashed <laughs> and then be like, oh, by the way, do you have any extra? <laughs> Yeah. Or we did it at the hospital. That was one of the things we did as chaplains at the hospital. So sometimes hospitals also have them. Yep. That's true. Yeah. So they're here, I know this kind of busy, jumps so. the gun with one of your questions, but ashes to go kind of being a thing yeah. that's been. That was my next question. <laughs> Yay. Tell us all about it. How about that for transition? Yeah. yeah. We just need to bring <laughs> in people to do all our transitions. <laughs> fine. Yeah. But anyway. Ashes anyway, to go. Ashes to go. Yeah, that's become a thing in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. At Emmanuel, we did drive through ashes. Mm-hmm. We did drive through communion for a while. So we did drive through ashes. Where I live in the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, there are a ton of train stations, lots of commuters mm-hmm. getting into the city. Mm-hmm. We don't get up in the early hours of the morning to go do the ashes at the places, but I know some of my colleagues and other churches around. Vienna and other places do. <laughs> sure. Last year, the congregation that I'm serving before I was here, last year they did 7 to 9 a.m. ashes to go. And I can be a morning person, but like my schedule these days is not a morning person. And so I was like, oh, I'll do like a lunch hour ashes. So I suggested that and they were like, no, <laughs> maybe just an hour instead of two hours to save your time. And I was like... I'm going to be there the whole day if I go down in the morning. Okay. Yeah. 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 And even actually, honestly, seven sounds late. Like, I feel like the really, what you really, for to really get the commuters, you need to be there at six. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, thank you. This is why I love living in rural Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, the, the farmers are up at five, but they don't expect me to come bring them ashes in the field. So, <laughs> especially not when it's still snowing out. But yeah. That, yeah. Well, and that could be a ministry though. It it could be. It's not mine. Let's put it that way. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And, and I know around here we have so many Catholic people who go do it. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. know it's covered. Like, I know it's happening. Yeah, you want ashes, you like... can get ashes. And people would just be confused receiving them for me anyway, honestly. <laughs> sure. Well, and I, I like to think of Ash Wednesday as one of the days when, while we have many differences and disagreements with the Catholic Church, we can also recognize that they play an important role in the world, and we appreciate that they're here. <laughs> For so many reasons, not just because they give us ashes when we run out. But <laughs> <laughs> there are some really cool yeah. Catholic priests that I've worked with over the years who have yeah. been better colleagues than some people other in people. our own denominations. Yeah. 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 What do you think about, like, I'm glad that we went into what the ashes are, but why do you think that they've become so popular? Because I did not grow up with anything like ashes to go. Interesting. I didn't grow up with ashes to go, but I think 
I grew up with a strong Ash Wednesday tradition in my rural Wisconsin church. (laughs) I mean, my church certainly had a service. I don't remember how often I went to it because by the time I was in middle and high school, I was going to school in a different city. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but But I knew Ash Wednesday was a thing. Like Ash Wednesday. Yeah, that has been there for a long, long time. But there's been a shift and it was happening before the pandemic even started. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in. It blew up in the pandemic, I think. But it it was the 2010s, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like, I remember when I started at my first call in, in New Jersey, like to go down to the Trenton Transit Station amongst some of my colleagues who did get up early in the morning like organized (laughs) and like went down there and I'm like great I will support you you want breakfast after (laughs) I won't be there yeah yeah because I did grow up with yeah the ashes to go like concept and I think the first time I remember doing like the wear the ashes all day thing was at Warper College when we would do the noon service and then you wore your cross all day and Forget yeah. about it and smudge it. Unless it started itching because some people don't <laughs> have like, a good oh, relationship with them. But yes. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if the tendency is to think, has this become like an act of piety that basically goes against what the reading says? <laughs> so like, yeah. get, jump ahead and mm-hmm. get to the reading. Like, is this like an act of piety? You got your cross. I definitely remember as a child being told that the whole, the reason why Lutherans do their Ash Wednesday service in the evening is so that we're not making a show of it. <laughs> Because, and it wasn't like my church was just not anti Catholic enough in order for them to not finish the sentence with, unlike the Catholics. But you kind of got the feeling (laughs) that a few people were thinking it. But yeah, I was definitely told that's why we do the service in the evening. Hmm. I want to say it's coming from like our innate desire to be like, thank God there's a time that I don't have to be happy or I don't have to pretend Mm -hmm. to be happy. I don't have to pretend death doesn't exist. We live in a culture that glosses over death like crazy. And I think that's where this desire is coming from. It's like, wow, here's a tradition that speaks to something in all of us that we don't talk about and Mm -hmm. gives us a chance to think and talk about it. And then we just kind of go on with our lives and do our best to just kind of survive but here is this inbreaking of the reminder of the fragileness of life i think <laughs> maybe sure, sure i don't know yeah. that's what i'd like to yeah. think is happening mortality and humility yeah. and i think there's yeah. also just something about ritual that draws people in yes. like many people have rituals that they don't realize are rituals like a lot of people have rituals around the first cup of coffee for the day or those sorts of things and I remember when I was in Yagam one of my friends was in Argentina and I had done study abroad in Argentina and we talked a lot about mate this like particular type of tea that you drink in Argentina that is like passed around and like you don't disturb it and one person is the one who does it and the very sacramental nature of it and So I think there's that place too, where people really do hunger for ritual and for things that mark, like you said, like mark, not just erasing and denying death, but also like mark particular moments in time and moments in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder too, if it's like also, I don't want to say it's like easy evangelism in the sense of like. It's like, here is a way that I can have like an outward sign mm-hmm. of my faith and that is visible and that people can see it in a way that maybe like a really pretty cross necklace 
<laughs> doesn't convey or like a WWJD yeah. bracelet. Oh, there's a blast from the past. Yeah. yeah. So it's an outward sign of <laughs> what we're believing and not exactly making a statement, but like saying like, I'm in the Christian tradition and this is what we do today. And so I'm doing this thing where I have this cross yeah, on yeah. my forehead. Yeah. It's also one of the few things we haven't managed to turn into an expensive piece of jewelry yet. So just wait, just wait. I was going to say, I mean, crosses we have, just not the ash yeah. kind. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think also there's a particular space for it for people who wouldn't ever set foot in a church again. Right. Yeah. I know when I was in Des Moines, I did ashes to go with the pastor at Downtown Disciples and we did glitter ashes and we went to the gay bar and we did glitter ashes. And we said, you are dust and to dust you shall return. But we also said, you are stardust and to the cosmos you shall return. And Ooh. this like pairing of mortality and divinity, mortality and the unique giftedness of each person. And that that to me is like a really powerful place for ashes to go is to say like and that was because we had relationship with the bar and we had done stuff with the bar. You can't just like go into a gay bar. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> that would be um, yeah. Well but, any bar would be an awkward conversation, but yes. Right. It'd be extra awkward going into a regular bar being like, Hi sinners. let's join you it's 7 a.m and you have three empty bottles of beer in front of you would you like some ashes and some pastoral care yeah probably (laughs) can i I just pull up a seat right there yeah and if that's your ministry like great but oh yeah by all means please do if you have that relationship with the bar already but don't show up on ash wednesday to start it that would be awkward yeah yeah. Yeah, but I think that there is like that space too of the church is not a safe space for a lot of people. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they don't have a relationship with God, and that doesn't mean that they shouldn't receive the sacraments or ashes or any yeah. of that. And also, most churches have a group of people who can't make it to church on those regular days. And so one year, when I had a reasonably short visitation list, I went around to the nursing home on Ash Wednesday, and I took ashes to the people mm-hmm. of my congregation, and also anyone else there mm-hmm. who like actively wanted them. Yeah. And that worked very well. Unfortunately, this year, I have too many people who are spread too far apart to be able to do that for everybody. But I would like to be able to do it for some of them. Yeah, I But it also gives cool. me something to do before the service so that I don't just sit there twiddling my thumbs getting nervous about the service. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah, the congregation I'm at had like to go ashes for people who didn't want to be in person for worship, but you could sure. pick up your to go ashes and take them home with you and do your own crosses and I did that one year home. for the during the pandemic. I did little tiny makeup holder containers and put a pinch or two of ashes in each of them and then handed those out and everybody put their own ashes on yeah we did we did do your own ashes as well because it's like what do you do yeah. a q-tip and you stand six feet yeah that sounds horrible right. hard it's like yeah, speaking yeah. of poking somebody in the eye <laughs> <laughs> that is the recipe it's for like, it yeah. and we're, we're not like so wedded to like the tradition every tradition of ash wednesday that we need to have the finger of the pastor yeah (laughs) doing the ash yeah no 
So since Ash Wednesday begins the season of Lent, we've talked a little bit about how Lent is about being penitent, but not everybody knows what that word means and not everybody has a background for Lent at all. So what is Lent all about? What I used to have this really great illustration for Lent as defragmenting a hard drive. Ooh. I don't know if do that anymore. I don't know yes. that I've had to for a long time, but I like exactly. the illustration. I think maybe a more modern illustration would be like, Marie Kondo before she had kids. <laughs> yes, I, I like that one Because you saw too. that announcement, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, but she she can't quite keep up with the three kids, and so it's not as tidy yeah. as it used to be. Which is great. Which is, which is like, parents of the world are like feeling affirmed, and everyone else is losing their mind. And it's like, it's okay. It's called a season. It's called a season mm-hmm. for a reason. You can't like mm-hmm. constantly live in a state of Marie Kondo. Right. It's true. Although so my when... t-shirts mostly do. <laughs> I feel like parts of my life do and other parts are just not. Yeah, that. sure. But the again, only way my t-shirts fit in the drawer is if they're Marie Kondo <laughs> The Marie Kondo folding method. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So so Lent is the season of, we talked about the season of the church year. It's 40 days. It's the time before, you know, Easter. I like to think about it as a time of like clearing house and mm. kind of clearing out your priorities and kind of reorientation. I know a lot of people talk about it as a journey, kind of an overused a little bit. Sure. But if it's helpful, great for you. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that for you. Some people talk about it as a wilderness. Love that for you too. (laughs) Well, and it also feels like the way I usually put it when I'm talking about Lent as clergy is that I think of Lent as the time when we batten down the hatches and we only do whatever is strictly necessary because there's always so much extra going on. And it's not just the extra services and stuff. It's also that in my experience, Lent is when the congregation's emotional life goes completely off the rails (laughs) because (laughs) we are finally far enough out from Christmas that people feel like they can be themselves and they don't have to behave themselves for Santa anymore. And also the stress of Easter coming up is starting to get to people and the stress of the school year is starting to get to the kids and everybody just starts being way more honest about what upsets them than they have been for months because they were being good for the holiday season. And also Mm. we're all getting, I mean, in the northern part of of the world, we're all getting really tired of this horrible weather. (laughs) And so our tempers and our irritation levels are rising. Interesting. Yeah, agreed. And like, You've, you're through winter, and so I, that's a lot of time. That's when deaths happen in the congregation. Yes. Yep. So there's more funerals. Mm-hmm. I think there is a an emphasis also with the like ending of winter that it's the beginning of spring, and it is a time of growth, and which kind of goes with the journey thing. But I I know in pandemic times, like we made like plant your own seeds kits for the congregation so they could plant seeds and watch them grow during Lent one year. And I think that's helpful. And it connects to the kind of older history of Lent to be a time of preparation for baptism, because a lot of baptisms would happen at the Easter vigil. And so, which is a whole thing that we're maybe hopefully probably going to actually cover this year in Nerds at Church. It would be nice. Yeah. But the, that that space, right, where you you dig into your faith more deeply and you figure out what your beliefs are and what you think and all of that stuff as preparation for baptism and the celebration of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. and it's 
it, part of that I think is like time gets weird. It gets wibbly wobbly. Mm-hmm. And it feels like as you get closer to Holy Week, you like get, cause like Lent means to lengthen. <laughs> I feel like every year, like Lent means to lengthen. Well, it's sort of like you're falling into a black hole and you're like getting close to the singularity and you're like being stretched. Spaghettify. <laughs> Spaghettify. Yeah, yes. yeah. Until you get to Holy Week where it's how many hours get compressed, but you stretch it out into like an entire week and like, you mm-hmm. know, time is weird and yeah. Yeah. Doctor Who-ified and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, ball of stuff. stuff. <laughs> it's a technical term. Yeah. Indeed, the angels. So yeah. what is Lent not? I feel like there are some common misconceptions. Lent is not a diet. Lent is not a diet. Let's all say it yes. together. <laughs> Lent is, Lent is not, not, a not a diet. diet. Actually, like the Christian faith doesn't do diets. Like that is it's not true. actually a ritual that we have. Fasting is different. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think that's the biggest misconception that like everyone has about Lent. It's like, mm-hmm. I have to give something up. I have to give chocolate up. I have to give sugar up. And it's like, maybe sugar was like from a tradition way back in the be- whatever times. Like mm-hmm. maybe that had an actual reason. Because sugar was super expensive then, but it's really yep. cheap now. And you had to clean out your pantry or, you know, whatever. And you're getting ready for the planting things and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, like these days, if you give up chocolate, it's because it's made by people who are living in slavery conditions. And maybe you should also be giving up most of your coffee, too, under those circumstances. But yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think one of the critiques that I heard growing up was that people would give up chocolate and then just replace it with like more of another candy or something. And so like when you do give something up, what is the purpose of giving it up? Like, exactly. It is not to diet, but is it to limit a little bit of something that is like a little extra in your life and then to use that money to give alms to the poor, as they say, sure. or to use that time that you would be like just munching on chocolate to meditate or to pray for people or yeah. Or if you're like a little too addicted to coffee or caffeine, you know, I that could be beneficial of like, let's cut back a little bit. I'm not going to do it. Avoid I was say, not, in the, well. not in my house. We have two I, Starbucks I, workers, a former Starbucks worker. I'm afraid worker. mine is strictly medicinal in order to, <laughs> medicinal, yeah. to help with the rest of my medication. But Yeah, yeah. But I, I think the giving up when it's like, okay, this has become out of hand or like, I think sure. the ELCA young adults are doing, they're giving up plastic. They're doing like a plastic-free Lent thing. Ooh, Ooh. interesting. Yeah. It's, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That sounds That's awesome. intense. Also, if you didn't do a dry January, maybe this is a good time for that. If you need to check to see if your habits are becoming a problem, that's fine. Yep. That works. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, the, of course, we Protestants, like, swing the other direction and are like, that's too Catholic to give something up. Let's <laughs> add a thing. Yep. Yes. Let's take something on. Yeah. Which can also be like, yeah, let's yep. add a prayer practice. <laughs> what are you adding for Lent? And then we can kind of get into the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Wait, isn't Possibly. this supposed to be about not doing it in front of other people? I'm confused. Oh, yeah. Like, so when everyone, so it's coming when everyone signs off of Facebook for right. like, oh, like the announcements are coming. Yes. And if that's your thing, I love that for you. I love your, I love that for you. Brilliant. Brilliant. So there are some folks who have done like a different thing each day, like where there's a calendar and like one day is buy a bunch of food cards and hand them out. Or another day is pick up 
all of the trash you see on your block or like those sorts of things, which I think is Mm -hmm. cool because it's especially for like those of us who maybe don't have as much of an ability to focus for the entire 40. Yeah, five no, that is very ADHD Lent. friendly. <laughs> yeah, right. Every day is a different thing. So you get to do sure. a different thing every day. I've done it for a couple congregations, a prayer calendar, where I put everybody in the congregation in a day, sometimes it's like doubled up and organizations that are partner organizations with the congregation also spread out in the calendar. And then you pray for somebody each day. And for me, I love to do praying in color, which I've mentioned before on the podcast. And so printing out the calendar, then I get a little square every day that I'm coloring and holding this person or this organization together with God just for a little bit. And that has been great for me because it's something that I love to do. And it's a spiritual practice that really connects with me when my like list your worries to God spiritual practice is not particularly nourishing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the key thing for no matter what people do or don't do during Lent is like intentionality and mm-hmm. yeah, spiritual, you know, like what is going to edify you. I like to tell people it is not New Year's resolution 2.0. Yeah, exactly. That's a good right. one. <laughs> yep. And it's like, don't make your life harder for the sake of making it harder. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's not helpful. Speaking of pastors, Lent is a great time to invite lay people from the congregation to preach at midweek services. Don't give yourself two sermons every week. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, we're doing dinner Dude. church and like a devotion and it'll be great. Yeah. We've started doing brunch church. We did it for our annual meeting, and then we're doing it for Transfiguration Sunday. Excellent. The timing for Transfiguration Sunday is because the orange juice expires the next week. (laughs) The orange juice they bought for the January one. They're like, can we do it again? Can we do it before February 22nd or something? That's good stewardship. Come on. Yeah. No, I'm here for it. I am here for it. It's good resource using. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other like good ideas for like, obviously this is going to come out too late to like fully plan Lent as pastors, but for people who are thinking about or who are really last minute, do you have any (laughs) other tips or tricks for Ash Wednesday or Lent? Yeah, just a couple of things that I've like used in like the recent past. Emmanuel's not doing it this year, but for the last couple of years, we've included the Genesis 3 reading as like a reader's theater type of thing, because it's kind of long. But the reason for including that is to get to like where the origination of you remember, like the dust, like you are the dust Mm. of the ground. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it helps if then later in the sermon, you unpack it a little bit and Mm -hmm. do address like the deeply problematic nature of Genesis 3 and like sin and like, let's not blame Mm -hmm. women and stuff. But it's helpful to be like, this is where this comes from. Spoilers. Genesis 3 is going to be a reading this year and they cut out the stuff to make it extra confusing ah so you'll have another mm. chance if you don't include yeah <laughs> you'll sure. have another stab at it but if you like wanted to get a jump on it mm-hmm. that that's a really good idea i hadn't thought of that yeah and we're not doing it this year because we're like giving it a rest and because things are in seasons it's like we did it for a while and now we're going to do something else mm-hmm. the other thing that we've done that's gone over well is that i've done I don't remember if we've done it at Emmanuel yet, but I know I've done it in previous calls where you have not like a theme song, but you do a song that recurs kind of throughout the rest mm, of the Sundays of Lent. Sure. I've used, I think I've used, I want Jesus to walk with me. 
sure. of ELW. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Start using it on Ash Wednesday. Yeah. We did one last year of Will You Let Me Be Your Servant? I, mm-hmm. I remember the good one. I love that one. It worked out very nicely. Yeah. Interesting. I like Perceive Moss When We Are Living. It is in Christ oh, Jesus When We Are Dying. Yeah. It's in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's I have a like, so place in my heart. If you pick, yeah, if you pick one that's like singable and then you can just like live with it for the season of Lent and it kind of like sets the tone. Yeah. For it's also a great about... way to teach a new hymn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All creation sings, anyone? You know? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> We've been diving into that one in my congregation. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, my congregation didn't start using the old green book that was printed in the 70s until 2002 so i don't think i'm going to be able to pull that off but oh man if they would have just held out like four more years i know no they actually use they they use the cranberry book now because they got us they got them on sale heaven forbid you not get something on sale (laughs) but all right hey better on sale than that's awesome hilarious yeah it's the most midwestern thing i've ever heard (laughs) yeah that's true so I am definitely one of those people who, like, it's not a full-on painful reaction or anything, but, like, the ashes on Ash Wednesday have always felt a little extra itchy to me compared to a lot of people who say that they don't notice them at all. Mm -hmm. But what does it mean if the ashes on your forehead get super itchy or your skin gets red or, like, you have a mark of a cross in red on your forehead for the next four days? (laughs) Do you want the funny answer? (laughs) Yes, both and. Both and, please. (laughs) Call the exorcist. Phone up your Catholic colleagues and say, so I borrowed the ashes. Can you help me in something else now? (laughs) Yeah, that's my rule. If if a house blessing doesn't take care of it, then we call the Jesuits. That's the next step. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, the we're truth? all sinner and saint, and maybe our some of us are more sinner. Lean a little more toward one side. (laughs) Yeah. Or possibly trust, there's right? just an allergy involved the okay, reason or why it's you time to make an appointment answer. with yeah. the allergist or dermatologist yeah your dermatologist yeah if your ash cross lasts more than four days <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's too good well and because part of the reason why we use palm ashes and if we use oil we use plain olive oil please for the love of god do not like put essential oils into your olive oil oh god no 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 no. the reason why we do that is because so few people are allergic to either palms or to olives and Mm -hmm. so you don't get many reactions Uh, honestly i think the fact that the ashes just feel a little extra itchy to me is that the last few years when i've been doing this i haven't been using the store-bought ashes which are like super finely ground and i think Mm -hmm. it's just my skin is not happy about how some of the ashes are gigantic and some of them are teeny and it's just sensitive yeah well there has to be you know ash and just in general has to be an irritant in the sense of like if you put water with it it makes the bad thing (laughs) yeah and the bad thing and part of learning how to distribute the ashes is learning how to not wind up getting it literally like dropping into people's eyes like even if you don't poke them in the eye you can have them drop into the people's eyes and so Mm-hmm. That would be bad. I have to say, when the ashes fall very gently on someone's nose, that is so completely adorable to me. Like, I know that that's not really the point of the ashes, but it's, it's so cute. When they have a little ash cross on their forehead, and then there's just a couple of little dots of ash on their nose, and it's, yeah. Yep. It's the it's cutest thing. But... Yeah. yeah. So, we've talked about some tips and tricks, and some warnings, and now I'm curious if any of those warnings come from 
actual <laughs> lived experience. Do you have any like unusual or fun or funny Ash Wednesday stories? I don't have any like catastrophic or rash related Ash Wednesday story. Good. I do have a cool like experience that I had in my last call. My church was right next door to an Episcopal church and I knew the priest. She was really cool. Like we worked together really well and we would like flip flop like who hosted and who preached Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So it was extra confusing because like you only had to remember ashes every other year. So they got mm. extra lost in the <laughs> intervening years sometimes. Yep. Yeah. But there was one year that it was like either halfway through the service or at the end of the service when we realized almost the entire worship service was led by women because I preached, she presided. I think all the readers except for maybe one was a woman or like there was a man, but he was like, I had this like very small role, like a communion assistant or something, but we're like, this was an entirely woman led, nearly woman led service. Like how cool is that? So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I always think that that's a very appropriate thing for Easter Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But we did it for Ash Wednesday instead, because why not? (laughs) Right. And it was totally on purpose. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was totally on purpose. Yeah, the whole thing was like, it was totally by accident. (laughs) So it's like, we're like, we will create this woman's service, which totally would have been great. But Mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So that's like my cool Ash Wednesday story, I guess. Excellent. Did you have any cool stories, Kay? I don't think I have. I just remember the first time I, and only time I've ever burned palms and then been like, that, I know that smell from other places. I hope there are no cops driving by and smelling it. (laughs) Yeah. Whether or not it's legal in your state is a question that's up for debate now, actually. It's true. It's true. We're talking about pot, people. (laughs) And... Yeah, the only stories I have about Ash Wednesday are stories of realizing on the day before that despite the fact that I had had three separate congregation members tell me, oh, yes, we have ashes. Don't worry about it. No, no, we did not have ashes. And then I wound up calling the Catholics and then the same thing happened the next year at a different congregation. And that was when (laughs) I started looking for the ashes the second I got into the building for the first time. And then the very interesting experiences with lemons. (laughs) Yeah. But really, like, I've tried the wet wipes, I've tried wet paper towels, I've tried different other ways to wipe the ashes off my hands, and honestly, the lemon does the best job, so. Hmm. Because you gotta use those hands to distribute communion later. No one wants ashes communion. Yeah, well, and to be entirely clear and honest, (laughs) like, you do wind up with still having the the coloration of the ashes on your thumb still. And usually Mm -hmm. I still have a few under the fingernail, but the vat it's gone enough that you aren't distributing them with the, you're not going to have smudgy Jesus. Yeah. No smudgy Jesus. (laughs) Jesus should be charcoal Jesus. Especially if you're doing the wafers, they already taste like that. Then it would look like the wafers had been burnt. And that's not, (laughs) that's not how Jesus died. No, (laughs) no. Oh my goodness. Oh dear. There, there was a very strange mix up with Joan of Arc this year, and I just. <laughs> anyway. This is already tasteless, and now it's going to taste extra bad. Some people think that it only tastes good when you can taste the burnt part. I am not one of those people, but like if that's. Well done. I love that for you if that that's what you do. <laughs> Insult to the cow. Yes. Uh, amen. <laughs> oh my god. 
Now comes our least penitential of all segments. <laughs> Let's make a Muppets musical. Lydia, if you were gasting, a Muppets musical, do you have any either token humans or key Muppets. Muppet castings? Right, like what would a Muppet musical, so this would be like a Muppet musical like about Ash Wednesday. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we're doing the ongoing Muppet musical of the Bible, but also like we've had liturgical musicals too. And yeah. my, I, I think the question that occurred to me was if you could have a Muppet do a part in your Ash Wednesday service with you, what, who would you Ooh. want? And like if you could have a Muppet do one of the readings, well, or I definitely assist with distributing the ashes. Okay, I definitely want Big Bird to assist with the ashes dibs because I'm not the tallest person oh, yes, that's in true. the world. So I feel like Big Bird would be able to get like all of the levels. Yeah. Ooh. I still think that the feathers might not be the greatest mix with the ashes though. I could see Details, that details. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little messy. <laughs> I mean I mean Big least... Bird might be up for that depending on, on how that goes, but yeah. Well, then we just need Ernie to come along with Rubber Ducky for a bath. Yes, and have a bath. Yes, very good. Well, this is a hard one. <laughs> well, you don't have to go with that question. If you'd rather yeah. cast somebody in one of the readings or something, that's fine. But yeah, I was just trying to give us some options. Right. I don't know. Oscar the Grouch is like coming to mind as just somebody who like says what everyone's thinking and like mm-hmm. just says like the truth. <laughs> yeah. Like the Wouldn't truth he teller. do a great children's sermon for Ash Wednesday? Actually, yes. <laughs> y'all, all yeah, y'all kids going to die. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, I'm like, that's actually could work really well. <laughs> like, this just yeah. him being part of the day. He'd probably, like, be using overripe fruit or something as an illustration out of his trash can. Of, mm. like, this banana is past its best time, and one day so will you be. <laughs> and he would be like, no, don't give up plastic for Lent, because I want that. <laughs> He'd be like the reverse psychology. Yes. <laughs> Give a plastic for less. <laughs> oh, I was looking at the reading earlier and was thinking of the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And like mm-hmm. Bunsen and Beaker are like often like <laughs> one's trying to do like we're trying to do this experiment. I'm going to do it this way. And then like Beaker's in the background like totally messing up on Bonobo. <laughs> or Bunsen is doing things that are causing fires and Beaker is desperately trying to put them out, but Bunsen hasn't noticed yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's fantastic. And it works. It goes very smoothly from our a couple weeks ago episode on salt. Yes. And how they would teach about salt. Absolutely. And then that would be very entertaining and also possibly and... like expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In terms of sheer property damage. Yeah. So Lydia, any other thoughts on life, the universe and everything? Like what's living rent free in my head? Sure. Yeah. Related or unrelated to anything? Mm-hmm. One thing that didn't come up in our conversation that I wanted to bring up. Is, are you familiar with Caitlin Doty, the eco funeral director? Oh, yes. Person? Okay. She's also a great resource, I think, that I've used in like Ash Wednesday, like mm-hmm. sermons or like a reference to her books because she is very open about like we don't talk about death and yeah. kind of just here's the reality. And like her first book is The Smoke It's in Your Eyes. Okay. <laughs> about her life as part of a like in the funeral business. I follow her on Instagram. She has a lot of great content on YouTube. Sure. Yep. The other thing that's been living, well, the thing that's really been living rent-free in my head is, are you two watching the series Willow? 
Not yet. I have heard about it, but I have not started watching it now. Okay. We're not done with it. Okay. Some of them have. Yet. But it's like, eh. <laughs> Is it very Lent appropriate? Or I've heard good things about it. Oh, God. <laughs> that does not really sound like it. a recommendation. But, it's, okay. it, may, it, it makes me think of Lent because there is actually... Okay, so there's a couple of episodes that I'm like, ooh, this is really good. Like, a couple of these episodes where it's like, ooh, this is decent. And then the rest of it is like, eh. Ah, <laughs> Warwick okay. Davis basically, like, carries the entire show the whole time. But so, we're at, the second to the last episode, we actually haven't watched the last episode, is... They are trying to get across something called the Shattered Sea, and it is just, like, mud for, like, miles. And they're just, like, going and going and going, and it's kind of this montage of, like, training montage, and there's magic happening. People are getting trained. Their skills are getting honed, but they're also getting, like, more and more tired because their food's running out, Mm -hmm. and their water's running out, and they're, like, the, the ship thing that they're riding, the animal that's pulling it is getting, you know, more and more depressed. Yeah, as yeah. they're like getting closer to like their destination and they're like are we ever going to get there oh should we just give up and turn around and that sometimes that kind of feels like lent yeah <laughs> it's also a really good scene that sounds very much like the second half of the book the two towers in the lord of the rings trilogy the movie broke things up differently but the book has just sam and frodo wandering the tundra endlessly for the second half of that book and i yeah, yeah it's a lot I, yeah, I read all of the Lord of the Rings books exactly once. And that was enough. Same. Yeah. (laughs) But I love the movies. (laughs) Yeah. And I've reread parts of the first one since, but Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Interesting. So we can keep, keep riding the weird slug monster creature to across the sea and we'll get to Easter. Yeah. Eventually. Yep. Yep. We will make it. We will make it. (laughs) Yeah. Indeed. That's all I got. (laughs) that's fantastic Excellent. well <laughs> thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for joining us yeah yeah this was fantastic absolutely and this is wonderful and now as we dive into our readings for this episode we are covering both of the options for the hebrew bible reading so we'll do joel first and then the isaiah one which is also called Alternative, and also was just covered in our SALT episode. So we'll link to that in case you are diving deep on it for this It is a good one, to be fair. Mm -hmm. So our first reading is Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and verses 12 through 17. The prophet Joel declares that the day of God's judgment is arriving and gathers the community for confession, repentance, and asking for grace. So one of the themes for this passage is the idea of remorsefulness. It is not just that there is this call to repent, but like to really mean it and have like a meaningful shift and change. And it reminded me of Black Panther at the very end of the first Black Panther movie, the country of Wakanda realizes that maybe it wasn't the best thing to be completely isolated from everyone else of African descent. And so as part of their own remorse for abandoning people of African descent globally, they start a STEM program where Njadaka, also known as Eric Killmonger, but I really like Njadaka as the name because it feels less villainizing. But so they start that right where he grew up, which is a really beautiful way of like, okay, we did wrong by you and now we're going to do right by you. Yeah. Absolutely. And then as we jump into the verses in verse two, we read, 
a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. And this verse always makes me think of an old Ralph Bashke movie from the 70s, which is called Wizards, in which the oncoming forces of technology and mechanization are accompanied by thick clouds of black smoke pollution, and they slowly encroach on the beautiful, natural, and frankly, often quite weird places populated by the magical people. And mm. it's an interesting dichotomy, and frankly, it's a war that mm. occurs over the course of the movie. And it is a very 70s animated movie in some ways, <laughs> but it does still have a few very memorable and beloved scenes. So, I kept thinking of like the orcs and the Urukai. Sure. Like literal armies covering yeah. the mountains as they like come over the hill. But there are also like yeah that that verse in particular, the number of ways like the times and the ways that darkness is like villainized. I'm just like oh or Moana like the thing that's happening to the island is that the coconuts are being filled with this black goo instead of coconut milk and yeah. There's just a lot of well, that. I but think that is actually a genuine thing that can happen to coconuts but yeah no i yes. like it's actual things right but there's also like just this association and i was like okay yes what else is it but it is also yeah. like when the farmers are tilling the field and turning like when they do turn over yes the field and you get the like darkness that starts to cover yeah well yeah in the wizards i mean there are armies involved it is a war that's going on but also the particular darkness of the technological side of the war is the pollution that co that's coming with it it's not because they both experience night but mm -hmm. the the pollution is really the problem yeah. yeah and then in verse 14 we read who knows whether god will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind them a grain offering and a drink offering for the everlasting your god and i have to admit i cannot help but think of how unicorns fart rainbows <laughs> very like, lisa frank of you I well, and there's like some unicorn something that I think I saw at one point, but just like thinking about God turning and walking back and then just like <laughs> leaving behind blessings of like rainbow farts or whatever, or like you know, the goose that laid the golden eggs and Jack and the Beanstalk sure. like popping out eggs as she goes. But yeah, I just love that image of like God farting rainbows. Our Alternate reading for this week is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. The prophet Isaiah tells the people that all the technically observant rituals and fasts meant to show repentance will not matter to God unless true repentance is present, and they change how they treat the poor and vulnerable in response. So one of the themes in this passage is the liberating aspect of faith, that it is Isaiah is calling the people to a faith that is liberating. And it reminded me of Moana and her faith, both in the sea and in her people, is so liberatory. And it still involves hard work, as does the vision that Isaiah is casting. But there is just yeah. this beautiful liberation that also comes from fear and from an island that is not supporting them yeah. anymore. And then in verse 6, as we dive into the verses, we read God's words, Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. And I was 
reading it differently this time like it is poetic and beautiful but also to think about like the thongs of the yoke that ties people onto this giant machine that helps them plow the earth or those sorts of things and just like the very physical manual labor aspect of what it means to untie the thongs sure. of the yoke and it reminded me of the Janestown episode of Firefly <laughs> where the crew goes to Janestown to to this town that like has glorified Jane's Jane, but it's the mutters who are doing the hard labor and getting the industrial clay for the bosses and are in like, just like have such terrible working conditions. Yeah. And so like, it reminded me of them that like, what does, what does it look like for them to have the thongs of the yoke? Yeah. Undone. Not to mention, what does it look like for Jane to try to do a pep talk, which was (laughs) (laughs) a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 9, we read, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and God will say, Here I am. And what exactly will that answer, or will God's voice sound like? Like, that is not specified in this verse, or anywhere <laughs> else in the Bible, for that matter. Like, I would imagine that the classic, What do you want? from any time that an old movie wanted you to know that someone was from Brooklyn seems kind of unlikely. Deadpool's most common options mm-hmm. of yellow, which is to say the color, not yellow or nobody has this number i i don't think god would go with either of those i mean maybe maybe yellow is god's favorite color who knows what about buddy the elf what's your favorite color that would be like a perfect pairing god could alter i could see that sure although personally speaking (laughs) i grew up with monty python and the what's your favorite color Mm -hmm. question also sounds vaguely threatening in some cases but Fair, fair. Well, it is God, you know. Yes. We're going God. Well, yeah, I suppose God. there's a certain reverence voice there. will kill us. <laughs> and, you know, if God <laughs> throws you into an abyss, then God can get you out again. So it'll be fun. But I have okay. to say my favorite response so far for answering a phone is from Bruno Kirby's character in When Harry Met Sally, which was no one I know would call at this hour, which I have been tempted to say so many times in my life, but usually I'm being professional. I also have made a point of having a different name at church than I have at home so that if someone calls me at two o'clock in the morning, it's very easy for me to figure out if I'm allowed to yell at them about it or not. Because if they call me by my church name, then I know that this is probably professional and I need to be like, you know, adult about it. And if they call me by my home name, I know that I am allowed to complain about it being two o'clock in the morning, no matter why they're calling. I'm still allowed to say, why did you wake me up? But I figured that God would probably not use the no one I know would call at this hour because God knows everyone. And so that seems kind of impossible. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And then our... Next reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20b through chapter 6, verse 10. A faithful life will not be perfect, but God is still at work through it. So one of the themes in this passage is this sense of urgency where Paul is like, now is the time, now, now. And it just brought to mind Coco like the entirety of Coco, right? There is this urgency because he has to find a family member who will send him home before sunrise. But then also to get home safely is not his only goal. Like there is also a sense of urgency for him to keep playing music because that's like, he gets sent back right away and immediately grabs 
the guitar and gets him back. And then it's this like urgency of like, I have to find this grandfather that I don't technically know who he is. I've just made assumptions and yeah. And then in verse five, we read Paul talking about what they have all, what they have endured for the gospel and it's beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, And this is decidedly like the experience of the districts in the Hunger Games, especially I think of District 11, where all of this happens, but they also have like the uprising. But also in this verse six also exists primarily in the actual people of the district more so than the district, like powerful people but like the purity knowledge patience kindness holiness of spirit genuine love like thinking of rue and i don't know it's just like this yeah in the face of all of this hardship there's still this beauty yeah and then in verse eight we read in honor and dishonor in ill repute and good repute we are treated as imposters and yet are true and that first part of this verse always kind of sounds like a marriage vow to me which feels deeply weird because despite (laughs) our commitments to jesus Mm -hmm. and being you know meant to be lifelong and all i know who i'm married to and it's not jesus but jesus is not my boyfriend (laughs) i am perfectly okay with that that's fine i do like to think that god will appreciate us having a sense of humor about it and therefore all of the jesus is not my boyfriend jokes i very much appreciate and will continue to use i realize they're (laughs) old i don't care so am i that's fine but it, that kind of sense of humor does very much remind me of Captain America's line when he jumps out of the plane in Avengers of there's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. And it's, it's sort of along the same vein. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. And then our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21. Jesus discusses spiritual practices and the importance of not using them to show off, which is hypocrisy. So, <laughs> the most iconic character for showing off in hypocrisy is of course hillary fay from saved mandy moore's character who has all sorts of pious practices that she tells everyone about and shows off and makes sure everyone knows about yeah don't be like hillary fay yeah there are i think possibly literally hundreds of fanfic where she goes off to college and realizes she's a lesbian so you know she she has a very exciting time ahead of her for sure yeah Oh, definitely. And then in verse six, we read, but whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So this is the first time that I have read this and not thought, go into your closet and shut the door. I don't know why I always had the image of a person like going into their closet and praying in their closet for this verse. Yeah, I can see where that comes from. To be as hidden as possible. And I'm just glad that I finally have read it properly and Jesus is in fact not trying to closet us. Yes, exactly. So, yay, closets. Although are like for if you clothes, find a magical land in the back of your wardrobe, that's a whole separate thing. But That's true. Go go. If you find the if you find Narnia, go for it. Yeah. Although maybe keep an eye on what you eat. Also true. And then in verse 20, we read, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And I've been playing a bunch of 
stealth-based video games recently or video games that allow for like stealth builds of your character or stealth runs of the game. One of my recent mm -hmm. favorites is Dishonored 2, which is sort of designed for that, but also it's a very particularly interesting way to play Kingdom Come Deliverance, which is really not designed for it. What is a stealth play? There are video games that are designed so that as you're like going through the game, your character is supposed to be stealthy and sneak around and like trying to avoid combat and getting things without being noticed mm -hmm. and going places without being seen. And then there are video games that will let you play several different ways, stealth being one of them. Mm -hmm. And Dishonored 2 is very much designed so that it, you can do either like a full combat run through where you just, you know, lots of murder, or you can do a stealth mm -hmm. playthrough where you try to make it so that like literally no one notices you're there. But Kingdom Come Deliverance is very much built with the expectation you're going to be doing a lot of combat, but you can actually bypass almost all of it if you're stealthy, but the game isn't really designed mm -hmm. for that, so like it gets confused when you try <laughs> to do that. And it's kind of interesting to see if you can get through it that way. But I, I like stealth yeah. games because you're paying very close attention to things. It takes a lot of concentration, but it's also not just constant panic and chaos. If you're good at it, you do actually manage to sneak without people noticing you. It's kind of soothing, but mm. I, I enjoy those kind of games. And that made me wonder, how is that going to work in heaven? <laughs> like, I get that probably actual thieving of actual things, like, I, I mean, you know, will things exist? I don't know. Will things exist? Will we still... Capitalism will be gone, but we'll presumably still have things. And stealing is certainly, you know, one of the Ten Commandments we shouldn't do. But being <laughs> sneaky and mischievous, like, neither of those really go against the commandments. And some of us mm -hmm. like being sneaky and mischievous. And also, like, I don't know if there will be video games in heaven, but if there were, I think that they would allow us to, like, enjoy those parts of ourselves. And mm -hmm. so I'm kind of wondering, like, what are those games going to be like now? So, yeah, that huh. that's where my mind went with that one. I like to think that God would give us a way to continue to experience our cleverness and creativity yeah. and sneakiness. Like That's when I was a kid, they had me reading like kids versions of classic books. And one of the ones that I read was Oliver Twist. And Oliver Twist, of course, studied with the Artful Dodger and mm -hmm. Fagin in order to learn how to pick pockets. And so this immediately led to like seven-year-old me trying to pick my dad's pocket. And <laughs> That's just that fun and also not actually yeah and and a couple of times I managed it and it freaked him out very thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> like I had to be very picky about nice. when I I chose to try it but but yeah I managed to hand him his wallet a couple of times when he was not expecting it and that was I will treasure those looks on his face for the rest of my life. But so yeah, there's a there's a fun side to that, and it's not meant to be destructive or to hurt people or to actually steal things. And so I I think that that is certainly something that we'll be able to indulge in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, thanks for joining us, dear nerds. Nerds, we're calling you nerds now. That's what we've decided. <laughs> yes. If you have a different opinion for what you'd like to be called, please let us know. Consent but, is important. Yes. But thanks for joining us. Catch us next time when we'll discuss nerdery connections to the scripture readings for the first Sunday in Lent with our special guest, Andrew Walker. This podcast has been produced by us, Emily Ewing and Kay Roboff. For more fun, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Nerds at Church. 
or contact us at nerdsatchurch at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you've heard, rate us or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you want access to our uncut guest episodes and interviews, live Q&As, and more, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdsatchurch. It's cheaper than buying a bunch of palms for Palm Sunday and then storing them for a year and drying them out and then burning them <laughs> and then making your own ashes for Ash Wednesday. That's true. I actually yes. know places that sell palms and they come with a little packet of ashes. Also, let us know on Facebook or Twitter who you would cast for Let's Make a Muppets musical for this episode. Who's helping you with worship leadership for Ash Wednesday? <laughs> As the ancient Christian said, Pax Bobiscum. <laughs>